Amen. Okay, lastly, I want to welcome up our guest speaker for today, and that is the Reverend Jonathan Reynolds. This is a guy who has been here a number of times, and we love our partnership that's ongoing with him. He went, come on up, John. He went to seminary with uh, our, 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 our real pastor. We call him the, some people call me junior pastor, our actual pastor, who's on sabbatical right now. They went to seminary together, and you can share a little bit about that if you'd like. Or you can really talk about whatever you want. So um, I'm going I'm to pray, pray for him really quickly as well, and then we are going to let him uh, uh, take us into God's word this morning. Lord God, I pray for John. Lord, would you speak through him? And God, would you prepare our hearts to listen, to learn from you, to grow, to become more like your son, Jesus? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please give a warm welcome to John? God bless you all. God bless you all. How are you? Good. I, I thought I might hear some voices this time since we don't have masks on in here. Uh, this is really weird to see you guys outside of the pandemic time, sort of. Last time I came, uh, there was uh, just a few people on this side and a few people on this side. And so it's so beautiful to see LifeBridge Church here gathering together, even though we're not fully out of the, the pandemic, but we are uh, able to gather together. So can we give a hand clap to God for church being back open and being able to gather together? I do come once a year to preach a terrible sermon here, so please hang on with me. Uh, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Uh, I am still as young as your own pastor, uh, John, and so hopefully uh, I'll be up here. I tried to shorten my message this time to be shorter than his and make sure that I'm out of here on time. Uh, it's not continuing the legacy of being these long-winded Trinity preachers, and so uh, pray for me, pray for me. I even did a reminder to myself, and the reminder is uh, I've titled this message, Godspeed. And so just pray that I'm on Godspeed as I go through this message. If you could, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We are going back into the Word of God, continuing outright this uh, series that I heard that you've been on. Uh, and it had to do with addressing the commandments of God to uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, that sort of passage right from the Shema, and then after that, to also love your neighbor as yourself. And then I've been charged with on today to come from 2 Timothy, addressing those two commands and sliding in there the authority of Scripture and how it plays a huge part in our lives. Godspeed. Godspeed uh, as you're turning to 2 Timothy. It's at the end of the New Testament there, uh, chapter 3, starting at verse 16. It quite simply means God be with you. Uh, do you know that goodbye means also God be with you? Uh, and so these are blessings that you give to people when you leave from a space. But I've titled this this 
because this, uh, if you see at the title of your passage, it might say this is the final charge, or if you see chapter 3 is coming towards the end of the book, Paul is speaking to Timothy, and of course, uh, he's encouraging him in the gospel, and he's sending him off with this letter, this letter that he writes from the jail there, and he sends him off with this letter in order to be able to encourage uh, Timothy and his mission and his work. And so he's wishing upon Timothy Godspeed as he continues to fulfill the mission, the mandate of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are there at verse 16, can you say amen? And this time, if you're there, verse 16, can you say amen like you're at the black church that I'm from on the south side of Chicago, House of Hope? Are you there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it. Perfect, perfect. All right, you're making a black boy feel comfortable right now. All scripture is God-breathed, it says, and is useful for teaching. Yeah, I love the hallelujahs. I love the claps. I grew up a Pentecostal boy, so y'all can feel just fine uh, engaging on today. Rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, that's supposed to be all I'm supposed to read, but I'm, I'm just going to keep reading because Pastor John's not here, so I can do whatever I want to do. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. He begins 2 Timothy chapter 3, right at the beginning, verse 1. And he says that this these are the final days or the final time or you are living in the last days depending on whatever your translation might be and we are somehow at this moment then captured in our attention of reading chapter three it seems like he really wants timothy to get something here that 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 he must be ready equipped to be able to speak against the culture that is proceeding, that is prevailing all around him. He says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, continuing on and on, traitors, headstrong, haughty. He says, Timothy, young Timothy, this is what you'll be dealing with when you go to Ephesus to be able to speak and to encourage them and to do ministry, the gospel of Jesus Christ there. 
He says you're going to be dealing with some headwinds, some problems. I got a chance yesterday to uh, get on my bicycle uh, downtown and go to North Avenue Beach and uh, our beautiful, incredible mayor decided that she wanted to shorten uh, the air and water show. So we only had an hour of the air and water show um, and went down there and uh, I get down there and of course, uh, I find out when I get there that this time at the Air and Water Show, it's only going to be the Blue Angels there. There's not going to be all the other aircrafts that are there. Um, and to uh, to actually, to my um, to, to my delight, I actually like that. Because to tell you the truth, although I'm a 32-year-old grown man, I am terribly afraid of those billion-dollar fighter jets that come in. It gets so loud when they come in, and I'm just trembling. And I'm like, am I supposed to be this scared? Um, but I was definitely happy to hear just the Blue Angels. You know, they're real quiet. You know, they might make a little sound. They don't do all the sonic booms, and they don't come in and shake the sand and the ground and everything that you're walking on. But I'm always just so amazed, right, with these amazing aircrafts that we have, right? And it got me reflecting on while I'm watching the Blue Angels just do their do their thing up in the sky. It's absolutely incredible. That, that man, uh, how much this stuff costs and how incredible their skill set is to fly so closely together and do all those acrobatic things with these million dollar uh, planes and it's just so cool. And then I got reflecting, we prayed for Afghanistan on how we left, right, billions of dollars of weaponry over there, right, just, you know, the other week uh, and left all these planes and, and helicopters and all of these amazing aircrafts there. And I'm I'm like, man, you know, uh, uh, as cool as these aircrafts are, why is it that the United States of America would just feel comfortable pulling out so quickly and leaving all of this technology there for the Taliban, right, these crazy terrorists to just have and just to use? And I had to probably just think back on, I, I, I concluded with this in my head, that they might just be willing to leave it there because they realize that it is not just the weapon. Of, of, of the aircraft that's so amazing. It's the innovation and the design and the amazing uh, scientists and the amazing uh, uh, astro people or whatever, you guys help me, I don't know, who designed these planes who are here, right? And, and if you know anything about our military, we have one of the greatest militaries in the world, right? That you, usually other countries, their military, they're just waiting for us to just hand them over our old equipment and that we don't mind them having the old equipment because we're always progressing and putting out new planes and doing new things, right? Uh, but one of the most beautiful things that has came out in the last half century from these aircrafts is the supersonic aircrafts, right, that are able to do these big sound booms that can go faster than the speed of sound. And I just think that's so incredible, right, that, that, a, that a plane could just fly and, and, and before you even know it, it's past you and then you hear the sound. Uh, uh, and, and it got me reflecting then on this scripture. It's like, man, all scripture is God breathed. And he goes into talking about sound doctrine. And the simple fact that, that you will probably 
think that you saw UFO if you saw a plane moving looking like it's going faster than the speed of sound and not hear the sonic boom, right? That you're listening for then after the blue angels fly past, you're hearing, oh man, there's the engine, there's the sound. And what we learn from that is that everything has an effect. The cause has an effect. And so two things I want you guys to be left with on today as you reflect on this scripture. And I wish you Godspeed in your mission that God has on your life for you and your family and the generations to come. Is that you need the word of God that is God breathed. Breathed by the spirit of God, right? And then number two, you need sound doctrine to go with it. That, that the true authority of the scripture comes when it is applied properly. And just like that aircraft that moves through the sky, able to cut through the wind, go against any adversity that comes against it because it has been built, right? right? And that is the word of God. Then we also hear the sonic boom that comes after, and that is the sound doctrine to reaffirm that what we heard was correct. Voltaire, during the 18th century, was a French, uh, um, he was a French philosopher, and he was a huge critic of Christianity. And he said that the word of God, that the scriptures would eventually, he was living during the Enlightenment era where they were uh, rediscovering, deconstructing uh, historical things and scientific things. He says, well, after this, you know, uh, period in time, the word of God will not be useful anymore. It'll go out of fashion. It won't be cool anymore. People won't be using it anymore. They won't attribute their life to it anymore. He then dies and passes away, and as a, uh, an act of like this uh, sovereign uh, weirdness that God has, his house goes up for sale. And his estate goes up for sale, and, and as, as the hammer comes down on the gavel, the gavel and, and, and they, they realize who has won the auction to take the estate from him, guess who takes the estate? The French Bible Society. And the French Bible Society then, for many years after, is putting out the Word of God, printing it in the same home by which Voltaire wrote this criticism of Scripture that it would not last. People of God, do you not get encouraged by hearing how the Word of God continues to sustain and be sufficient through all time? That we don't ever have to get fearful of the word of God even being left in the wrong hands. That it is because it, it is God breathed by the Holy Spirit that gives it its power to be able to then preach and to go out and change the world as it does. We know over time that there are many critics of Christianity, that people say that Christianity has done more wrong than it's done good. That Have you not seen the wars that are happening? And you look into our Christian nation here in America, and we see much arguing happening and much divide and much polarized sides of people uh, fighting against each other and disagreeing, and even those who say they are Christian not living out that Christian lifestyle, right? We see see so many criticisms happen. 
And for us who wish to be those who want to find a medium, I would encourage you to remind people when those criticisms come up that it is the word of God that is breathed in by God that makes it effective. That anyone can take and twist the word of God and use it as they want to to abuse people. But it is when it's done in love and in the spirit of God that it has its true and mighty effect. And that has what has been holding scripture for all this time. Holding scripture together to be the effective power that it has. Because the Spirit of God continues to breathe into the Word of God over and over again, even until now. That just like that plane, one of the most beautiful things I got to see yesterday was that they cut the engine right when they get right over you and they just glide and flip and twist. And that it's almost like, like, like the wind is inside of the plane and outside of the plane, lifting it and guiding it as it glides through the air. That that is the word of God, something that is inspired by, something that is breathed into, we see in the Greek here, and also breathed out of at the same time. He says here, Theophanos. That the word of God, all scripture together, is God speaking even now. Do you know that you are the living words of God? That even at the beginning of creation, he spoke your purpose and design into existence. And that no matter what mistakes you've even made in the past or issues that you have dealt with in the past, challenges that you have encountered in your walk of learning about who God is and being a better person, that you don't have to feel guilty or shameful about those things. You can literally take a breath in and breathe in the inspiration of God and push out and exhale his grace. That God is always continuously, time and time again, day in and day out. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning, making you over, reforming you, reshaping you, not just by his word, but also by his spirit. That you don't have to be ashamed of any mistakes you've ever made in your past. Because today is a new day, Sunday morning, resurrection Sunday, where you can begin again and begin to be formed and transformed by the Spirit and by the Word of God. Oh, how good is it when God speaks, right? How good is it when God speaks to us early in the morning, when he wakes us up even before dawn, when God speaks to us and gives us new? Moses knew of this, this 80-year-old man walking around in the desert out in Midian, thinking that life was over, depressed, discouraged, and in despair. He's walking around looking at the butts of sheep and goats that aren't even his. A poor man, right, who's out there seeming like he had lost everything, seeming like he had completely, his life was over, right? And then all of a sudden... He sees a fiery bush that catches his attention. He gets a little closer, and he begins to hear God speak. And as God speaks to him, he gives him purpose again. 
He gives him a new beginning. He makes him a new creation. And he gives him a mission to go out and to be able to set his people free. Jonah knew of this. Jonah at the belly of the whale. Jonah inside of a fish. Jonah discouraged, depleted, in despair. It's the, 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 the scriptures say it that he was in arrest. That at the belly of the whale, like he was in a jail cell tied up. That he was captivated by God. And that God then began speaking to him, speaking into his life, speaking to Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. And in the midst of that, Jonah chapter 3, he begins to have a revolutionary moment, a rebirthing moment, where he begins to hear the words of God speak unto him. And he gets a new purpose. And he begins to go out after that, spit up on the shore and do the, the will of God. Job knew of this. Job had lost everything in despair. Job had lost his family. Job had lost his money. Job had lost his friends. Job had lost his health itself. Job comes to God angry, upset with God, saying, I did nothing wrong. Even in the face of his critics, Job still holds to the fact that although he's not perfect, he did not do anything to cause God's punishment to come upon him. And he's angry with God. God, why do you have me in this place where I'm dealing with this great suffering, dealing with these great issues? God, why would you have me deal with all of this? I did not cause this upon myself. He cries out to God. In a beautiful way, he teaches us that we're able to come before God just as we are. That you can come before God angry and upset. And God speaks back to him. God talks to him. God says, Job, where were you when I hung the clouds in the sky? And Job, where were you when I carpeted the world with grass? And Job, where were you when I, when I, when I hung the stars up in the universe? Job, where, where were you when I designed the snowflake and when I made the whales in the ocean? And Job, where were you when I put together the foundations of this earth and this world and this universe? Then he waits a while and comes back some more chapters and says, Joe, where were you again and again? Where were you when, when I was healing your body in the hospital room and when I saved you in that car accident? And where were you when I brought you through the pandemic? And where were you when I protected your family and kept you safe and put food on your table and answered your prayers and kept you? Where were you? God speaks back to him. Not just words, but words of power, words of strength, words of life. Beloved, this book that we have before us is not just any old book. This book that we have before us is a book that is breathing the words of God. And we have to make sure that we operate with that type of authority when we begin reading and looking into the scriptures and living out the word of God. As much as I love cancel culture, I'm going to let y'all know right now. I'm a city boy. I love liberal stuff. Look, I, I love cancel culture. 
uh, wherever you lie on the cancel culture thing, uh, uh, the, the, we know one thing, that the word of God can never be canceled, right? That the word of God is not political, that the word of God is not, is, 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 is not, is not economical, that the word of God doesn't, doesn't apply to the temporal places of this world, but that the word of God transcends far beyond even our own limited finite understanding of, of the world, that the word of God gives unto us power to be able to navigate our lives every day. The word of God is useful, he says here. He says all scripture is God breathes and it is profitable. It is useful. It is beneficial. It is good for, and then he gives a formula here, a formula for your supersonic aircraft. Here you go. For teaching, reproof, correction and training in righteousness. The first one is positive. The second reproof is a rebuke. The third is negative. It's correction. And the fourth one is positive again is training. My mom, uh, if you grew up in a house like mine, uh, my mama uh, we'll cook a lot. And um, there wasn't like a menu or anything when she cooked. Uh, you didn't get to choose uh, what you wanted um, from what she cooked. Uh, you didn't get to have it served to you in any type of special way. Um, for me, as a very picky kid, uh, this was really hard for me to overcome and learn uh, that I had to uh, shut my mouth mind my business, and eat what was served to me when it was served to me. Uh, I couldn't pick what I wanted and then, you know, put the plate back. I had to eat what she gave me. I know these new millennial parents do things differently. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, God bless, you know, when, when I have my kids, I hope that I get the same uh, uh, strength and fortitude that she had to smack me across the face and beat me um, when I didn't respect her rules. Uh, but my mama was very, mama's food was serious. It was, it was sacred. You did not uh, uh, treat it any type of way because it was a reflection of the effort that she put to support the family, right? And, and, and so uh, maybe us millennial parents could really learn from my mama that uh, we could be a little more stern and strong. Uh, we can tell our kids that they got to eat what's on their plate. Uh, you don't have to listen to the whines and the whimpers, right? Okay, I'm, I'm only hearing boomers laughing here. Why do millennials ain't laughing? Man, so sensitive. <laughs> that was another knock. Uh, uh, but, but, but the word of God, all of scripture, he says, is good. You, 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 you can't take this little bit and put this one back. You can't only love the Gospels and, 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 and not love the Old Testament. You can't uh, uh, throw out Leviticus and keep Revelations. Uh, you can't say, uh, I don't really like the words of Paul, but I really love the words of Jesus. You can't pick and choose what's on your plate when it comes to the Scripture. Paul says here, and I don't really have the time because I was supposed to be going short. I don't really have the time to get into it, but 
But Paul says, and he proves here through time and time again through his epistles, that all of Scripture, even the Scriptures of the Gospels and letters and pieces that he was writing, is Scripture that is wholly a part of the canon of Christ that we are supposed to use for our lives. Uh, me and Pastor John Adams are old school in this manner alone. We got tight pants on and everything else. But in this manner alone, uh, we believe in the inerrancy of the Scripture text. That is, it is without error. Yes, you can clap to that. That it is without fault, that it is without issue, that God wrote it that way on purpose, and we're supposed to figure it out. Whether we like the taste of it or not, that whether it fits into our political systems or our opinions or not, that, that we are supposed to figure it out, and we can't push it back on God. That we're supposed to take it, and if God gave it to us, it's for us for a reason. And, and there's hard parts in the text of, of God's word. There's, 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 there's difficult stories and passages of, 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 of racism, of rape, of, 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 of hurt, of pain, of, of suffering. Uh, there, there, there's rebukes in this, these passages. But we are, as preachers, supposed to even preach hard things. That even when people get up and walk out, well, I did a funeral it was about 3000 person funeral uh, uh at the house of hope I only i'm only going to say the number for this reason uh this was um a ghetto funeral uh, uh, and when I mean ghetto, I'm using it in the city vernacular of it was very hood and it was very uh, 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 street. Uh, um, it was a guy who had gotten shot and killed by uh, gang violence. He was uh, supposed to be in church, but a part of a gang. I don't know how that works. Uh, and they asked me to come in to do it uh, uh, at the house. I usually don't do funerals uh, uh, at my church, but I, I did this one because they begged me as a young man. And they said it's going to be a lot of people. Uh, there and 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 as I'm getting up and again it's three thousand people coming in the line is out the door. Uh, um, uh, these these guys are coming in with with skull caps on. Uh, uh, they 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 got uh, full uh, jumpsuits on. Uh, they definitely have guns on them. Uh, they definitely. Uh, uh, um, you guys can laugh at some of this. This is. This is you guys are like, oh my God. Yeah, this is every day you were, you know, in the city of Chicago. But they're coming in, right? These guys are scary, right? Packs, groups of them. Uh, some of them look like they're probably on drugs a little bit. They're acting funny and weird. Uh, and I'm just like, hey, you know what, Lord, you're going to have to take this one because I'm going to get up here and preach the word of God. I start preaching. These guys get up in the middle of my, they're walking out, uh, they're leaving. Uh, um, uh, and, 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 and I was just in that moment like, oh, my God, you know, like they, they're not receiving the word of God. I talked with one of my mentors later. He says, hey, you know, next time they get up and they want to walk out in the middle of your sermon, you tell them to come right back in and sit down. And I said, you want me to tell guys with guns on them to come right back in and, and sit down? Uh, um, we already we had we already had police outside everything, you know they're not inside they're outside the building you know uh, I'm not safe, but we have to stand on the boldness of the scriptures. Is what he was really trying to say. He wasn't saying put yourself in harm's way. He was saying 
that people can't pick and choose what they want to hear from the Word of God. You have to be bold standing on the Word of God to speak to even dangerous situations and declare the Word of God, even praying for the peace of God to come afterwards. That people might get up and leave from your dinner table around the holidays. That people might get up and leave from your church while you're preaching the word of God. That people might not be your friend anymore. That people might be uncomfortable around you because you're telling them to act in empathy and love. I hear what you're saying, but this is what the word of God says, and this is what we're supposed to do. Even when it's uncool, man, why you got to be that guy who's always bringing up the word of God is useful for our lives, that we are supposed to teach people, that is, a, that is giving them information and knowledge and wisdom, pouring down into them, challenging them, uh, rebuking them, reproofing them, uh, 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 correcting them. And like a retainer that you got to put back in your teeth every single day to make sure that you can keep those beautiful pearly whites as the dentist has for you. The pain that you'll have to go through of aligning your teeth all the time, that is what the word of God is for us. It is then also training that also after you have uh, ashamed sometimes, even uh, 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 made people uncomfortable to push them into righteousness, that you also train them in love to grow in all that God has for them. The Shema, Leviticus 19 says, you shall not take vengeance or bear great grunge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself the Shema Deuteronomy says, Oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, he is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Then Moses, that same guy who knew the power of God's word spoken to him, who seen God speak it to him and write it on tablets, then says as he is speaking to Israel and the families that are there, make sure then that this command, these laws are now written everywhere, that it is annoying, annoying to hear it over and over again. That your children see it as they are rising up and laying down. That it is written on the doorpost. That it is tattooed on your eyelids and on your forehead and on your arms. That it is everywhere all around you over and over again so that a generation does not rise up that does not know the word of God. We are challenged here in this text to make sure that we give our children, our nephews, our godchildren, our families, our friends, the word of God, and only the word of God, sola scriptura, so that they might know who God is. And last but not least, he leaves young Timothy with a charge. We must remember that Paul is writing this while he is sitting in a jail cell. He is sitting in this jail cell, and by the time biblical scholars think that he's got into 2 Timothy, he's cold, he's hungry, 
He's tired. He's exhausted. He's even lost friends of his in the ministry because he refuses to leave that jail cell but stays there so that he might present the gospel to Caesar. Paul, at this point, is probably even suffering from some bouts of depression and hurt. He is alone. He is by himself. He is writing this letter to Timothy, and in chapter 4, you can read it later, he says, Timothy, bring me a coat, bring me this, bring me that, because he doesn't have anything anymore. Paul is at the end of his road. He is suffering great for the gospel. And he says, all scriptures, God, breathe. Make sure that you go and you teach and you train these people in Ephesus, these false teachers rising up, correct them, rebuke them, put them together, help, help these people get it together. But then he says, at the end, young Timothy, some translations say man of God, others of yours might say servant. He said, may do this so that you may be complete. Equipped for every good work. This is after a henna clause in the Greek, which means in doing so, so after scripture is breathed, make sure, young Timothy, that it is complete and that it equips you. That our job is to be able to also buy what we sell. That our job is to make sure that we don't just hold the scriptures up, but we make sure that it is held up in our hearts. That our job is to make sure that we rely on the scriptures to the point where we are willing to be in prison, stripped naked, hungry, sad, suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you read through the chapter 3 later as you get home, uh, you, you, you see in here that he only promises one thing for real Christians who really care about the word of God. You're going to have suffering. Uh, you're going to deal with hardships, trials, and tribulations. He promises this in your walk with God. So let us live in that charge that God has for us, that we so value the word of God, that that is really all that we need. Don't be that person who's selling what you ain't willing to buy. Don't be that person who says the word of God but isn't willing to actually live it out when it becomes challenging for you. Don't be that person that when it's uncool anymore to walk in the things of God, you fall to the wayside. Be that strong tree like he is encouraging Timothy to be. That is, you are someone that God can count on to be breathed into. That every time you exhale, nothing is coming out but that of the grace of God. And in doing so, you'll realize at the end that it was all worth it, all the suffering, to rely on God alone. Because I can tell you one thing. One thing will last, and that is the sufficiency of God's word. 
Through ages and through times, we have seen nothing else last. Kingdoms have fell, empires have fallen, but the word of God still stands. Religions have become radical. Religions have hurt people, but the love of God and the word of God still stands. God's word and its sound doctrine lived out properly. And you guys can come up. This is usually when the black preacher starts hooping, so y'all can come up. We'll stand. And it doesn't matter which way that you say it. You can say it like an old Baptist preacher. Uh, God's word will stand no matter what you're dealing with and no matter what you're going through. You can rely on the word of God. Uh, you can shout it like that or you can say it like a young millennial preacher who's trying to get in your face. Uh, you can do the word of God in your life. Be, be bold, be strong. And, and you can say it like an old southern preacher that you need to stand on the word of God. It doesn't matter the style that you do it, what aircraft you're flying in. All that matters is if you're speaking it, whether it be loud or silently, that you are speaking it from the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit is living in what you say. Because it's not in the aircraft, but it's in the innovative design of God's inspired power that lives and breathes on his word. So be still and know that God's word will bring you through absolutely anything. That no matter what hardships you deal with, suffering or success you might face, that the word of God will stand.